0: Hello,
1: and welcome to Hugenhoff Podcast, episode 15. Today, we have quite the interesting topic. We are talking about the nature of a god. Before we jump into that, let me take a moment to uh, introduce you to Lore and Lauren. Lore, how are you
0: doing? I'm doing fantastic. Could use a little bit more sleep, but I should be fine today.
1: Okay. Well, we'll see how it goes. And, Lauren, how are you doing? Okay. Um, uh, Just to get everything else out of the way, if you want to visit my page, go to www.hugenhoff.org. That's H-U-G-I-N-H-O-F dot org. If you had any questions, please feel free to email me at hugenhoffpodcast at gmail.com or just podcast at hugenhoff.org. With any questions, concerns, things you think we got right, things you think we got wrong, and in the email, mention if I can read your email on the air if you want to, because I would love to read some emails out on the air, but I haven't gotten any yet, so yeah. Alright, with everything like that out of the way, let's just jump into this topic. Um, So the question is, what is the nature of gods? I suppose we could say, what is a god to you? Now, my own theory is going to be kind of confusing, because I have to talk about the world of ideas, and there's a little bit of setup. For that reason, I'm going to go last. Um, Lore... Do you have some preliminary what is a god? It's kind of a big question, but some preliminary what is a god for you things to say, I guess.
0: Okay. Well, again, the thing is I also have the world of ideas uh, as a thing as well. So it will be also confusing perhaps without a bit of setup for that. Um, But number one, we are an interesting kindred. Uh, We all look at the gods very differently, as you'll see as we continue this conversation. Um, I, for one... (sighs) The terms that I'm going to use are just the standard terms. But um, I'm just using them because they're in the lexicon. I call myself Atheist true, because I don't believe in them as actual physical beings outside of myself. Uh, But that doesn't mean I don't have any dealings with them uh for me the gods are internal uh based upon my recognition of the world uh they can grow and be more because i continue to learn more and more about them and and i don't say they're absolutely internal just for me Uh, they're internal for all of us and we just spread those ideas through through books or conversations and everything like that and, but they reside in all of us and you and how I get in touch with them is just to read more or get into a meditative state where I can find that specific uh, piece that I recognize as them within myself and I communicate with that um, to me I, I I find them a very personal uh, God but I don't limit it to say that there are, there's only One way to look at it, there's only one fragment, or there's only one facet to them that is only, let's say, Thor. Thor, the way I see it, is the only Thor there is. I don't see it that way. But then again, I don't say that the idea of Thor, uh, as multiple Thors throughout the world, I don't see that either. It's more of a, I can perceive Thor as, just the aspects that I can I can talk to and be that are inside myself, but I can expand that by talking with more people. I don't know if I'm making too much sense. Um, the reason I'm talking the way that I am is because I was I, I've listened to other podcasts that were trying to like, explain what they thought Thor was and they were saying that their Thor lives with them and that's the their Thor, but there's other Thors out there for their communities and the gods reside in the land that they live in and they follow them together. Kind of more like uh, American gods mm-hmm. for them. By Neil Gaiman. By Neil Gaiman. <laughs> well, in case people want to know. Um,
1: and that's a different idea than I have, too. Um, now, Lore's idea of the gods and my idea of the gods are, are not exactly the same. One of the things that we really stress in the Hugenhoff Kindred is there are multiple ways to view the gods and each person's interpretation of the gods may be different. We need to have some common ground, obviously. So mm-hmm. we all agree that there are gods, but what gods mean is sort of a personal question that you have to figure out on your own, and I can't tell you the gods do or do not exist this way or that way. Um, but, you know, the, the, the nature of the gods, you know, we all agree there's gods, but we think of them in very different ways. And I guess the other thing that holds us together is, you know, when you read the lore and stuff like that, there will be certain morals uh, that come up. And for the most part, we agree on those morals. The wanting to be smarter, wisdom is a good thing, mm-hmm. or intelligence is a good thing, is one thing that we share. Um, don't break people's autonomy. Hold your O's true. Things like that will share. So, because people will sometimes say, if you don't see the gods in exactly the same way, why are you even in the same kindred? So that's kind of the reasons we're in the same kindred. You, we do have certain things in common. Um, but yeah, I really, I don't really agree at all with the idea that, you know, since we believe these gods, they somehow. Manifest themselves in the real world, and there's multiple versions of Odin and Tyr and all the other gods. I think that there's one version of those gods, and see, this is where I differ a little from lore. I believe there's one version of those gods. Each of us interact with that one version in a different way, though.
0: Um, before I- Well, I'm not- I don't disagree with that. It's just that my interpretation is that I can only see one part of it, but it resides in all of us, so I can continue to- Grow that and expand that, and perhaps see it in the same way that you do, but I also will see it in other ways as well.
1: Okay, yeah. And I think that makes sense because I do want to say I think the gods are multifaceted beings. Mm -hmm. They're not simple. I mean, people are not simple, people are complex, but the gods are infinitely more complex than that. You may understand one aspect of them, you may understand. Like Thor, he's the working man god. That is true. Mm-hmm. That is one aspect of him, but you know he's also got more intelligent. He's also a very intelligent gods, and you can see that in certain stories too. Like when he tricks the, uh, what was it? What are the dwarf? I think the things that turn into stone. When yeah, he tricked a light. dwarf yeah.
0: on the on the on the water. Yeah, or on at a bridge or something.
1: So you. You have, um, yeah, because the dwarf, I think it was a dwarf, he wanted to marry his daughter. So he ended right. up just talking to the dwarf and questioning him all nine until the sun comes up, then he turns into stone. And it's like, well, one part of Thor is he is the common man's god, but that story shows yet another aspect of Thor where he's actually quite a crafty individual. So yeah. the gods are not simplistic. We can't say Thor means Earth and leave it at that. So I may see one part, you may see one part, someone else may see one part, but if you take all those parts together, you could start to understand the entire God, but obviously each person can only see the part that they currently see, and those parts will hopefully coalesce and become more and more strong as you learn more and more about the God, and then your connection to the God will become greater and greater. But, um, Lauren, let's take a break and ask you, what is a god to you? Um,
2: well, I have a part of that conversation that you were just having too that I was um, thinking about. It's not a lot of. There are some people out there that do interpret the gods as different. Like there, you know, there's a different Thor for each different um, geographical place that there are people. But I kind of think that it's a the backwards way of looking at the situation where it's like a person with every other person that they interact with interacts with them differently. You know, like if you are talking to a friend that really likes video games, you'll talk to them about video games, but then you may not talk to your grandmother the same way. And so she may not even know that you like to play video games or that you even care about video games. So I think that they're the gods interact with us in the ways that they are in the values that they have in the way that they are helpful. They interact with us in those ways in the places that we are. So like, um, if I ever interact with Nord at all, I don't interact with Nord about seafaring because I don't live anywhere close to the sea. I don't know anything about the sea. I don't know about living on the sea, but I could interact with Nord about crops or about, um, I mean, we live in a really big agricultural area, so I think that the gods interact with each different, you know, culture of people maybe differently, but that's because of the needs of those people. It's not because it's a completely different god.
1: Yeah, I actually really like that because my mom probably doesn't even know I watch Doctor Who, but <laughs> all of my friends, you know, uh, Lauren, Lauren, will talk about Doctor Who a decent amount of time, and you know, if if mom, my mom, saw me talking about Doctor Who, she'd go, like, "That's not Byron. He never talks about that." Right. Um, so yeah, that's that's a really that's a really good point, that the gods are going to talk to us about what we care about. Just like we talk to people around us about what we care about. We don't just talk about whatever we're feeling. We need that common ground. It makes sense, the gods would, too.
2: But anyway, my feeling about it, um, it I believe that the gods are beings outside of myself. Um, uh, behind that, I am actually not really, my arguments are not really very good, because... Um, I believe that the gods are beings outside of myself, but how can I? I don't really have any proof for that, except for my interactions with them, which boils down to my own personal gnosis. So, um, so for me, that's kind of where my argument ends. <laughs> it's not really an argument at all because it, it actually deals with a realm that's not in reality, so it's hard to put an argument into that. So,
0: would you say physical or non-physical? Or?
2: I would say non-physical.
0: Okay. Uh, again, the people I, I I listened to were were imagining that they were physical beings and lived in specific places, like in a hill or a mountain that was near them.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Like. Huh. That's a, okay. Uh, see, that seems a little weird. And the reason is, we've dug up plenty of hills and sacred sites, and we never find little gods in there. <laughs>
0: Well, I, I, I'm not sure. We're... I'm not sure if it was like a physical on our plane, maybe like a parallel plane they may oh. have been re- talking about, but it was in a specific location that that's where they would dwell. Okay,
1: okay. I guess I could see. I guess you know, you you kind of get into the spiritual realm a little bit later, and I could see that a god would be stronger here than there. Because, you know, let's say there's a person and and, um, let's say there's a group of people who set up a temple and they always call the gods. Well, because they always call the gods, it will be easier to feel the presence of the gods because they have been called there over and over again. Much like we talked about in the ritual episode, as you do something over and over again, your connection with whatever you're calling gets stronger and stronger. So maybe you can feel the gods stronger here and less strong there where they're never called or even they're actively banished. But I don't think that's because the gods are in an alternate realm or something physically in the same place. It's just because we've, to use not a perfect analogy, it's because we've worn down the curtain between the two realms in that place by calling them over and over again but I don't think it has anything to do with the actual geographic area outside of the ritualistic sense that we sort of talked about in other episodes. Yeah. Nonetheless, people have every right to have whatever opinion they want, and maybe they think that, you know, this realm and that realm are places that are, in essence, physical, and, and they would be tied to a certain geographic area. Personally, I don't believe that, but
0: again it's it's all personal opinions and personal preferences and things uh it It's just there are some things that make it harder for uh, me to feel is that it would be correct to be completely isolated to one specific location just doesn't make sense for a deity
1: right to me no, I think it underestimates what a deity is, but still and and I did want to say um I think something Lauren said about personal analysis. When you come right down to it, we're talking about religion. We're talking about understanding beings that are not physical. By the very nature of that, we're not going to have scientific proof that beings exist. Because science is created to understand, study, and explain the physical world. And these entities are not in the physical world. So it's really all coming down to personal gnosis, now, I mean, you could look at somebody's belief and say, okay, well, this belief doesn't make sense because it contradicts itself all over the place. And you may have a reason to say, okay, well, that's not a great belief because you say love is good, but then you do things that contradict that and you hurt people or something. Uh, even that is Shaky ground, though. I mean, these things really do come down to personal gnosis and personal beliefs. And when you're trying to understand a God, I still think the best way to do it is through your own personal gnosis. So.
0: And that's ha- why each and every one of us kind of has a different kind of view exactly. on everything.
1: Yeah. and you know, it, it it none is. of
0: us, none of us would say that our view is the absolute correct way at all. Exactly. So, no.
1: except for mine. Which is correct. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, yeah, I think that each of us have a different way of looking at it. And the thing is, mine works for me, yours works for you. And, you know, I, I think that's the way that you have to do it.
0: And I think when we said it, they're all multifaceted, I think that, again, uh, helps that that idea. Absolutely multifaceted. They can be looked at in multiple different ways. Right.
1: Now... Um, I know lore's belief sort of hinges on some of this, too, and mine definitely does. I am going to attempt to explain the world of ideas. <laughs> now, you've probably heard that term places, and I'm sure mine is different. So it borrows from people like Plato, but it's not exactly like Plato's version of the world of ideas. It is very different. Basically, what it is is... There's a world of ideas. I mean, that's the simplest way to put it, and these ideas are important. So, all right, so we've all heard the Descartesian argument that you can't trust your senses. You know, you look out the window, your eyes tell you a car is coming down the road. You watch for a little longer, it gets closer, and you're like, that's not a car, it's a truck. Your senses deceived you. Um, maybe you're walking in a hot area and you see a mirage. You're like, oh, that's a lake. My senses told me. You get closer, it's a mirage. A, a real obvious one is you're sleeping and you have a dream. And it's a very vivid dream. You see things in the dream. You hear things in the dream. You feel things in the dream. None of it really happened. It was all in your head. Your senses deceive you. The whole concept of video games are based on your senses deceiving you. They take a flat screen and make it 3D, look 3D, by tricking your senses. They make you feel like you're somewhere that you're not. So our senses deceive us. So, on one hand, now we can't even trust our senses all that well. Now ideas, alright, so let's look at something, something else about ideas. If I'm, I'm sitting in a chair right now. Why am I sitting in a chair? Because chairs are made to be sat in. Well, is this actual composition of matter by its nature made to be sat in? Well, really it's not. You could eat your dinner off of a chair, but we don't do it that way. The idea of chair makes this chair meaningful. That's why I sit in it, because chair means something that you sit in. And that goes with everything we look at. When we're looking at the top of a table. We call this a tabletop because there's the idea of the table and the idea of non-table outside of that. If you look at it scientifically, you see that there's a bunch of molecules on top of the table, and on top of that is a bunch of molecules which we're gonna call air molecules, and on top of that is a bunch of more air molecules. It's just molecules laid on molecules laid on molecules. If you really Logically look at it, there's no reason to say this layer of molecules is different from that layer of molecules. And there's no reason to say the chair leg, which is screwed onto the chair, counts as the same object as the chair, even though when the chair touches the floor, that's a different, that's a different object. So all of our objects are actually extremely arbitrary, and the entire universe is chaotic. It's just a big swirl of molecules but we use ideas to impose order on the world. And by using ideas, this is a chair, this is a non-chair, this is a table, this is a non-table, we add meaning to the world, and we are truly creating the world. Because the meaning we impose on the world creates the world. Because it's the only thing we can really interact with. We really do interact with our ideas. Because we are an idea the idea of Byron is just that. It's an idea. I don't really objectively exist. You know, I sleep. I have a break in consciousness. Do I cease to exist then? Well, in some ways, yes. In other ways, no. Um, I'm just a swirl of molecules. I'm just brain impulses going out. But the idea of Byron holds me together and makes me real. So, Everything in the world may or may not be physical, we don't know because we can't trust our senses, but everything in the world is composed of ideas, which impart meaning to a chaotic universe that we live in. That said, I think the gods are just ideas. I don't think they physically exist anywhere, I think they're ideas. However, since I basically just said all of the world is ideas, that doesn't make them any less real. They're still real because they are ideas just like everything else in the world. And ideas can be very powerful. Uh, One example I like to use is take Bob from China. I know it's a weird name for a Chinese person, but take Bob from China who you've never met. Has he made a difference in your life? The answer is probably no. However, take um, Luke Skywalker from Star Wars? Has he made a difference in your life? The answer is probably yes, but Luke Skywalker, quote-unquote, doesn't exist, and Bob does. So, we see certain ideas are more powerful even than real people. Now, I don't want to say that Luke Skywalker is a god, because that's not what I'm getting at. Luke Skywalker is an idea, and we all pay attention to him, making him a very powerful idea. God's are a very special type of idea. They are a self-aware idea that's capable of growing and changing itself. Just like a person, the concept of Byron is a self-aware idea, because I can change myself, yet also I change in other people's eyes due to my decisions and their decisions. They choose to look at me in a certain way, and I have certain actions which cause them to look at me in a certain way. The gods are self-aware ideas that I think get into our head, and we see them in certain ways And they truly are ideas, but they're self-aware ideas, so they're extremely powerful ideas, where other ideas wouldn't be all that powerful. And that's the world of ideas.
0: Your world of (laughs) ideas.
1: That's my world of ideas. Okay, so I'm going to first say, did that make sense? Because if you guys see things that aren't clear, the audience will too. Is there anything that needs to be further defined in my view of the world of ideas.
0: Well, you also started defining your idea of what a god is um, with the them being self-aware uh, ideas.
1: And I suppose that that is what I view the gods to be. They are self-aware ideas.
0: And my world of ideas, they're not necessarily self-aware or any more self-aware than any other idea. They're just uh, conglomerations of our ideas of what the gods are, in my mind. Okay. So that's where we would differ at that point.
1: Right, right. We have, obviously people think of the gods, which kind of shapes what they become. I think, I think the gods can direct, uh, they can make choices. They can't force you to think something about them. But no. they, when you communicate with a, with a god, not, because see, the thing that is just everybody's idea of the god mixed together in one master idea of the god, that is the shell of the god. But I think there's a core to that shell, which is actually the god themselves. And they have helped create that shell, and they can help refine it, because when I try to talk to Odin, if I've done the proper work, and I've done made the ritual right and everything else, I think that Odin will actually talk to me, not just the shell, everybody's idea of Odin, which has become self-sufficient, but the actual core of Odin will talk to me. And then my ideas of Odin, you know, will change and help create the shell really as something it should be. So I think we're actually talking to another intelligent entity when we speak with the gods.
0: I'm not saying it's not intelligent. I'm just saying that we influence it more than well. We are ideas ourselves, and and yeah. our ideas can be passed upon among other people as well. I I see no difference other than that we believe we have a physical body as well between the gods right. and us. And of course, they've been around longer than we have. So there's there's may more information may not there. Have a physical body. We may not have one.
1: <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm <laughs> unsure. Um. But yeah, another thing is the idea that they're older than us. That is a big reason I like to honor the gods, because they're older and wiser than us.
0: And that's the other thing that I didn't mention. I also think they're our ancestors, but that's my own personal uh, uh, understanding of what they are, that that they're like our uh, very, very distant grandparents or or something like that, so much so that they they influence the beginning of our, our people. And that's why I particularly honor them, because it's a part of my genetic line to honor them.
1: I think it's very important what you said, because I, I do agree. I think that in the beginning of our genetic line, the gods as ideas came to us and imparted certain ideas into us, which helped us develop into who we are and that could have even been you know those chance things of this molecule moved when maybe it shouldn't have a certain DNA strand was shifted here or there could have been an influence from the gods but I really think the big thing that they did is implant certain ideas in our heads maybe just by you know coming to us and saying hey random person who's the first of this line of people I'm Odin and you should learn stuff and in that way they kind of started our our genetic line, I suppose. They they really are our intellectual and physical ancestors.
0: Right, and that's how I perceive it.
1: Now, Lauren, did you have something to say on that?
2: On which part? <laughs> <laughs> well, any of
0: it really, but I suppose
1: especially the folkish part of it. How does that work?
2: For why we believe in For why we believe in the gods as folkish? Yeah. Well,
0: how do you see see it as folkish? What is what about it is folkish to you?
2: Well, for me, um, it. I mean, it goes back to the bit of lore that we have that. Um, uh, is it Odin, Billy, and they, mm-hmm. and and they imparted certain things um, into us, and one of them was like our our spirit or our what I would think to be like our will. And so if they breathed that breath of life into us and they influenced our people at the very beginning, um, well, what I think are my people genetically, I could be wrong about that. But I think I'm, you know, looks like a duck, quacks like a duck. I actually <laughs> I look, don't like I look, that quantum but I don't, I don't like it either, but um I am pretty sure that I'm European. And um that, yeah, I guess that's how I see it the genetic part of it. That
1: so, that the gods kind <laughs> of, so that the gods kind of put
2: us on the path that we're on today. Yeah, like our very ancient ancestors, the people that were just first coming to consciousness, right. I think, like in human evolution.
1: Now, I do want to say that, you know, uh, uh, kind of the idea that Odin uh, gave us our, our spirit or whatever... Mm-hmm. Maybe even part, of, that may have been the beginning of our folk soul, which is passed on from parent to child. Now, you know, what does it come from the mother's side or the father's side or what? I mean, we don't know, and it's probably not completely consistent anyway. The only person who can know their religious heritage is that person. Mm-hmm. And you have problems when you know, you're like, oh, that guy looks... Asian, so he's not allowed to be ostro. You don't know that. Maybe the folk soul passed from mom to dad to mom to dad to, and you know, there was a European woman and an Asian husband who got together and the folk soul passed to the kid through the mother. And then there is another Asian, uh, Asian mother and European father and the folk soul passed through the father. The thing is, you can't look at somebody and know what religion they folkishly belong to. Only mm-hmm. the person can do that because if you look at your family history and you're like, I'm this, this, and that and maybe some other things I don't know about when you start working with different pantheons, I truly believe that through reading, reading the stories, some of the stories will be, oh this is a cool story, this is really neat. Some of the stories will be like oh, this is a really cool story, you know, I bet it really happened this way. And you know it didn't really happen that way, and it's just a myth, but part of you feels like it's more real. And when you start doing meditative work with the gods, some of the gods, and you know, I think you'd contact with that outer shell I talked to, you'd be like, oh, this was a insightful experience I learned about myself. But some of the gods would really resonate with you. And I think the the stories that really resonate with you and the gods that really resonate with you when you're doing your personal research and meditative work, the part that's your folk soul will be resonating with them. And if you work with multiple pantheons relatively quickly, I think you will just instinctively know that these gods... these gods resonate with me. Their morals make more sense to me. That's another big one. Their stories make <laughs> sense. They make sense. Their morals make more sense. Um, so a big moral in true is uh, uh, always questing after knowledge, as I'm sure it is in other religions. That resonates. I think that's a big one for us, because I think that resonates with all of us. Like, yes, knowledge is huge. We must learn more about ourselves and the world around us. That's part of how we know that this is the focus thing we we should go to, more than just what we look like, there's deep personal resonances with certain pantheons. And I, I do think that's where you should kind of make your decision as what pantheon to go with. Mm-hmm. A little bit of a tangent, but I wanted to say that.
0: Well, it also kind of will help you understand how you perceive uh, what the gods are. I think, when you're yeah. studying everything. Just, uh, if, if if you are a monotheist, you'll know <laughs> immediately after reading everything.
1: Right. Well, yeah, I mean, if you read the, you know, let's say you're studying the Bible and you're like, this, you know, absolutely makes sense to me, and I know that it's airtight and absolutely true, then, you know, maybe that's the one you should go with. But I think the problem people run into is they're like, oh, well, my mom was this, so I guess I'll be it too. And they never even feel connected to any sort of deity, and I don't think well, that's a good thing.
0: What we're what we're doing is kind of like that, except we're looking a little further back mm-hmm. um, for our actual genetic ancestry, and just not what was forced upon the people,
2: right? Well, and that
0: was what our great and great grandparents were, so mm-hmm. that's what we are.
1: That's true, but I think the difference is we look back and decide to try this, but we feel some sort of connection. And that's
0: true. I know
1: I do. Um, We feel some sort of connection. You know, it's vague and hard to describe a lot of times, but we do feel some sort of connection with D.A.T., I I suppose.
2: I think that there's a lot that goes into your decision to choose what pantheon you choose, but, I mean... I don't think that there, I think that there are people that are part of the Christian church that probably believe that they feel something. Um, so, I mean, it can't all be feeling. There has to be, you can be amongst a large group of people at some Christian revival and you probably feel something, but it's probably just a lot of energy from the people that you're around, but...
1: Well, that's the thing. I mean, there could be a lot of energy from the people you're around that you're Mm -hmm. feeding off of, which would be a legitimate feeling, Mm -hmm. but it wouldn't truly be connecting to deity. And I think the truly connecting to deity is a slightly different feeling. But if you've never had that, it's almost impossible to say, well, this isn't it.
0: And and, and this is why I I say you would want to do it singularly. Sure, Mm -hmm. once you get an idea of certain things, you might want to talk to other people about it, like we do in our kindred, mm-hmm. but um, self discovery you do by yourself. Yeah. And to yeah. decide what religion you are, because it is your decision to do, you need to do it by yourself and not be influenced by anyone else. Obviously, you're going to read books that will influence you, but you get to choose those.
1: Right. Right. Well, and I think this comes up sometimes, you know, if you're a person, you're like, hmm, Ostrue looks interesting. Not that this would be totally horrible and I'd look down on you if you did this, but I don't think the best idea is to say, hm, Ostrstrue looks interesting. Let me go to a bloat with a kindred. Because, there, you're gonna, you're probably gonna feel something. Maybe you won't. But it's hard to say, is this deity or is this people around you? What I would always suggest is, huh, Ostrue looks interesting. I'm going to, individually work with these gods and see what happens. And if you're like, oh, well, that was a really interesting experience. I want to explore this more. I think I'm onto to something. Maybe I'm not ready to commit yet, but I'm sort of thinking I'm onto to something here. Then go to the kindred and see, okay, now what's it like with lots of people? And, you know, maybe you'll feel mo- nothing. Maybe you'll feel something. If you feel something, maybe keep going and then make your mind up after that. But I think some individual practice just to get an unpolluted view of this these new experiences is a good idea now what do you guys think of that if you're like huh also true never heard that should you work on your own or should you just jump to a kindred i guess loris kind of said you should work on your own
0: um, i would i would say that uh the reason i know about it at all is because of you but once you put the idea in my head that it existed as a uh, as a modern thing, because I've always been interested in the in the Norse culture and the Norse myths. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first stories I remember reading were when I was very young, and I was always very interested in 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 the pantheon itself. Uh, among other ones, uh, one being Native American, and of course the the uh, Greeks. But this one always called out to me far more. Uh, it it I, I recognized it as my people and my ancestors, and that's why I continue to go into it and. Uh, I think I got pointed in the right direction a couple of times uh, by you, and I'm, I certainly don't uh, look down upon anyone asking for a little advice now and again. But it is up to you to find that. And uh, yeah. reading the poetic eddas, and maybe just maybe not the poetic eddas themselves. Maybe that's uh, a little bit too esoteric because it's uh, written in a poetic manner, and the stories are not so direct. Yeah. Um, Perhaps just finding the stories in a more modern language would even help. But then going back and trying to decipher what they were trying to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, personally, you should you should work on it yourself.
1: Mm-hmm. And and I had told you about Ossetru, and I didn't just say, Hey, now that I've told you about Ossetru, let's start a kindred. I mean,
0: no, you did
1: was... a lot of personal work, and you actually came to me and said, let's start a kindred, and I was like, well, yep. it would be honored to do so. Yep. Um, and I'm extremely non-pushy. It probably loses me members, but <laughs> I don't really care. I'm not trying to, you know, hit some number of I have this many members. I want people who are really interested to come. and It's a big reason why our kindred probably is small, but even the way now if someone is interested, I'm like, okay, well, we'll have a talk. You know, I point them in the direction of the podcast so they can do that. I go through a list of questions, basically episode one of the podcast, and then what I always say is, think about it, wait a day or two, if you're interested, call me back. And that's always been my policy, because it easily gives them an out, and with a decision like religion, I think people deserve as many outs as they can. I'm not going to peer pressure you into joining something that might not be right for you.
2: Right. I kind of had a different approach just from my personal experience because um, I I also learned about the religion from um, Byron. I kind of started dating him, so there was that. Um, (laughs) uh, But I got thrown into it backwards, whereas he's not pushy at all, but I was dating him, so obviously his religious views were important to me, and at the time I was completely atheist. So um, I I didn't at first um, study the religion that much uh, and then I went to a bloat oh. first and actually um, I went to, I technically went to a Hugenhoff bloat first but I didn't but, go to the actual bloat, yeah, I went to the dinner afterwards um, but I went to a Hofbrau bloat um, and that was actually incredibly convincing to me because we had a goethe who was an older gentleman um i couldn't i mean he was a great odin's Gothi. like to be at a a um an harrier blow with an odin's an old Odin, odin's Gothi. um you know out in the woods with the wild hunt running through the trees it was just an incredibly moving blow for somebody who had considered herself an atheist so for me that was something that inspired me to study the gods more. I didn't have anything to bring to the kindred, but um I don't think it really matters if you join a kindred first. But I well I guess joining a kindred is different than visiting a kindred. Uh because I certainly wouldn't think you would oath to any kindred before you know anything about the religion. But but I think that it's fine to join a group before you know much about the religion because you're there to you know you're there to learn about it. Granted a lot of a lot of kindreds may not let you come until you know more about it, but heck, I don't we think have... it's just...
0: Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, heck, we have we have a person who's been coming to the kindred uh, more consistently than myself, who's never oathed it anything.
2: Yeah, that's he true. Just...
0: And I don't have a problem with that. It's perfectly fine. And uh, some of his floats are fantastic.
2: Uh, yeah. Yeah. Incredibly.
1: Yeah, and I guess it's interesting. You know, if someone came to me and is like, I'm just learning about Austria, I'd like to come. I I would not be like, No. You have yeah. to do two weeks of personal or you know, you have to do six months of personal study first. Now, I would not let them oath. We've got rules <laughs> about oathing which are pretty strict and I yeah. think they should be uh, it gives people plenty of time to back out. It gives, it, it forces people to at least be at the major bloat so they hear what we're all about, which I, I think is important. Um, maybe it's even a personal thing. I mean, Laura and I came from it at the angle we're gonna do our own personal work first. We're gonna figure out the basic structure of what we believe. Then we're gonna see if it meshes up with the kindred enough. Mm-hmm that we can start coming whereas I guess Lauren is a little bit different she was like I don't know what this is but I'm curious so I'm going to come to a bloat I don't know maybe I've always liked to learn it on your own first thing best myself that's always been my preference maybe that's because of who I am though and my attitude towards learning I I mean I like to learn on my own I don't really learn in groups well maybe other people learn better in groups I don't know
2: I would say most people learn better in cooperation with other people. Uh, simply because there's not, you're, even on your own, you're not going to, you're not going to look at everything it's, in as many facets as it has. Now, your idea of the gods is different, though, because that is so personal. But I think it's good to talk to other people and get these different ideas, you know? Yeah, that's well, About yeah, but, different way of using it. But,
0: but I'm not, but what I'm saying is, like, uh, you, you wouldn't go to a lecture about, uh, Greek mythology. If you hadn't already thought that you might want to learn about Greek mythology, and, and it's the same with osteo. If if you had no, never, I totally
2: did that in college. Actually,
0: you had no interest in Greek mythology.
2: <laughs> no, well, you have. I mean, you have to fulfill a certain amount of liberal arts credits, and Greek mythology was one of them. So I took it, but wow. I didn't.
0: I mean, See, See that sounds interesting to me, though. It, it actually does. I that.
1: that's Greek true. Greek. That's true, and it was. But <laughs> I guess I would like to, and, and I personally, I I like to get my structure figured out on my own. Mm-hmm. You know, what are my basic beliefs? I like to figure that out on my own, and then I'm okay with going to a group. I had the basics of what I thought of Ostertrue figured out, and then I started going to the Kindred, and over the years. A lot of, you know, I've developed my thoughts a lot. A a lot of those original things, I think, I don't think of in the same way anymore. Um, But I wanted to say, this is what I think. And then go from there and grow my learning significantly, which I think I did. But I wanted to have the basis first and then join a group. Mm -hmm. Whereas what Lauren did was more like, she joined the group and then developed her own understanding of the Kindred. Dad. I guess
2: my I guess my it's not really a warning but caution is just that I had a lot of really nice people a lot of really well educated and intelligent people that I just happened to run into. Well I didn't happen to run into. I probably never would have started dating you if you weren't intelligent but um, but you and your friends and with the at the Hugenhoff Kindred and then down at um, the other Kindred that we were a part of were really and intelligent people that were willing to start with somebody like me that didn't know much about the religion and, um, you know, give me their opinions and their thoughts and things like that. But I feel like there's a really common, um, at least in the internet heathen community, I don't know if it's true at the community at large, that if there are people that don't know much about it, they're kind of shunned or seen as stupid. And it's not, I think it's not really a fair view because they're, you have to understand that this religion doesn't, hasn't really existed for a very long time and that um, there are going to be a lot of people that are maybe have gotten wind of the Norse gods but don't know anything about this religion and don't really know much or maybe they have really bad information from like the Half Price Books book that they found. So I think that we need to be kind to people that maybe do want to be a part of your kindred but don't know much about the gods and i think that we need to help teach them that And i think that that would be one of the parts of the not to proselytize but be available if somebody wanted the information and not expect them to get a lore quiz when they walk through the door you know what i mean
0: i I am gonna have to disagree with one of your parts one of my favorite books came from half price books
2: Um, (laughs) (laughs) no i love half price books too but 100%. And
0: and it has my favorite title to any story in our in our uh, mythology in our in our culture, oh, which right. is Thor goes <laughs> fishing. Yes,
2: yes,
1: my favorite title too. <laughs> um, I, now, now I want to say I agree. If there is somebody new to the religion, we should absolutely be friendly to them, and especially on an internet community because that's where you go to learn first. You know, you Google it then if you're interested, you might buy a book, and then you might join a kindred. But even on the kindred level, again, if somebody comes to the kindred and it's like, I'm curious about Ossetro, I'm not going to give them a lore quiz. I'm not going to say, oh, no, well, I'm so much better than you, because I know this arcane. I mean, okay, so I study the occult a lot. And the the thing I hate about it more than anything else, and I do see it come up in Ostru too, is when people quote these, like, arcane obscure facts and then look down on you when you don't know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. When they purposely talk about obscure wisdom and then laugh when you don't know what they're talking about. I think it's anti it's it's not productive. It's it's just arrogant and stupid because if the only way you can outsmart somebody is by looking up some obscure fact, th- that doesn't really mean you're smarter. That means you're just a I said family podcast. It means you're just a jerk. <laughs> now, There's another I, word I would use. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that we should, any opportunity we have, try to explain what are the gods and do it in a friendly way where the people can understand. I, I absolutely agree with that.
0: Now, I have a question. Now, you, you both have more experience uh, going to other kindreds than I do. Um mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure if you went more to, to more than just the one. No, not really. But um, as we are speaking about how we perceive the gods, mm-hmm. how accepting are they to different versions of your perception to the gods? Is, I'm, I'm assuming it differs from kindred to kindred, but like mm-hmm. I'm not sure how my personal viewpoint of the gods would fit in with any any other kindred, since I plain to I only use the term atheist because I'm just meaning I don't think they're a physical being mm-hmm. but it's it's in my mind, but when I say atheist, that could turn off a lot of uh I, I would assume other oture people
1: it it could and it does depend on the kindred I mean you have everything from whatever you feel like believing believe down to complete dogma our kindred was good about it we i mean we had people who believed like i did with the world of ideas we had people who believed that there was an actual semi physical there is a spiritual realm which was connected but separate to our own world and we had and we had ideas that the gods were you know uh, you know a race of gods born separate of humanity all the way to the gods were a great king in our history was so well-loved that he rose to the um, rank of godhood. We had a lot of diversity in what we thought. So I can only speak for our kindred, but um, it was pretty uh, up to the individual. But I don't know how universal that is.
0: Okay, because the reason I say that is because I'm... Now, I, I do proclaim myself also true but i also proclaim myself in the atheistic way as well um and i don't want to feel like my i'm assuming several people have run into other people who are atheists and they're very smug about their perception Mm -hmm. of what atheism is and i do not want to represent myself that way and yet the textbook definition of atheism is kind of where i am so I'm I i do not want you to be turn turn anyone off when I say that.
1: Atheism is one of those buzzwords though almost. It's right. like it Oh, I'm I'm atheist. Like, oh, that means you want all religion to be destroyed and you think the idea of anything other than yourself is just complete hooky. God yeah. uh, what? not cussing, it's <laughs> <is> really hard. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean it, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily mean that. So it's kind of a dangerous buzzword just because there's so many connotations. You know, atheist doesn't mean you want to destroy religion and you think it has no value. Atheist also doesn't mean smug. Just like a cult doesn't mean look down on people for no real good reason. And a cult <laughs> doesn't mean you live in your mom's basement. But it has, it has come to be connected with those things so if people can have an open mind to you know what do we mean by the words that we're using and what do the words that we're using actually mean as opposed to what is the metaphysical baggage attached to these words they'll be fine but yeah a lot of people are going to be put off by the metaphysical baggage attached to certain words. I don't know right. if that answered the question or not, but...
0: Oh, <laughs> it's, it's perfectly... Yeah, that's that's fine. I have nothing else to say, though. I just kind of wanted oh, to God. put that out there and discuss kind of uh, kindreds at that point.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, you're going to have a variety of different... Just like you have a variety of different people. I'm I'm sure that people don't agree with the way that any of us... Each individually see the gods, and so each group of people that you get into, you just have to get a feel for the people. Mm. I think the thing about it is that um, we're all open. We're all open to being wrong. We're all open to having different, different views of things. So I don't think that that's probably um, the norm, but
1: but I don't think we're an exception completely either. Yeah, sure. I agree. There's other kindreds who. It takes things um, in similar ways. Yeah. And kind of when you look at Austro, to me anyway, you see a lot of um, independence, uh, strong willedness. I I don't know if that's a word, but you see a lot of people doing what, what they think is right. A, a very strong, independent streak. And I think that says a lot of good things about Austro. Like this conversation we're having now, we are all independent individual entities who value knowledge and try to come up with an understanding of how the world works. We all come up with similar ideas, sort of, but we also all come up with very different ideas. A lot of the times, you know, on the surface... It seems like we're all in agreement because we all think that you know we all share certain moral truths, and we can all say we honor the gods, and we can all say we're Ostro. But on on another level, we're very individualistic, where we all believe in the gods in a slightly different way. I think that's one of our strengths. Um, of course, it does have risks. You know, you can get you can fall into dogma doing this, or or something. Maybe close mindedness. My way is the only way, and I will not okay. listen to you if you disagree. I will not let you in my kindred if you disagree. You must think just as I do or be expelled. Um, and I, I think that's the risk that we have to avoid. So, in some ways, having slightly different ideas of what the gods are is actually a strength because it keeps that stubbornness out and it also causes you to constantly question yourself, and it's in many ways ingrained in Ossetra with this idea that, A, knowledge is important. If knowledge is important, you're always going to be thinking, and no two people will come up with the same idea if they really examine it. And And B, there is an individualistic, determined quality that comes up in the lore and the sagas both that makes us think... I'm not going to cave to the first thing somebody else says. I'm going to stand by my beliefs. Uh, You know, unless there's really good reason for me to change them. I truly think that this way is actually the case. So I think it makes for, um, it makes for really good arguments. You know, you've got people who are actually discussing things and it staves off, um, herd mentality, which I think is a dangerous thing, and it staves off, Closed-mindedness.
2: Uh, so I think the well, differences should be embraced. It's part of the, it's part of the Christian worldview that seeps into um, some people's practice because we do live in a world that's primarily Christian, and um, and it's sometimes people want are used to and comfortable with dogma, and so they fall into making their kindred and their beliefs and the gods and their practices through that lens of that Christian worldview. And, um, and I think that that is probably a group of people that you would not want to be a part of, unless that's something that you believe in. But for us, that's not something that we would want to be a part of. And historically, that's not how it seems like, anyway, our ancestors were. It doesn't seem like they had dogmatic practices and dogmatic views.
1: Yeah, I would. I would think so. I, I just really think you need to be careful of dogma. And I will say that anyone who came to our kindred expecting to get answers would probably be sorely of Filled with more questions. <laughs> yeah, because we you're don't not... we don't give answers. We give questions,
0: and, and we give happy. opinions. Our yeah. own opinions.
1: Mm-hmm. And they don't all match up in every case. Uh, You're forced to really think for yourself. But I think that is what a group of people should do, and especially a, a kindred, should really force people to think about their religion. It should force people to say, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what is the case. I have to work with the gods to figure out what I believe. I have to read the sagas. I have to do my own personal meditative work to understand what I believe because no one's going to tell me what to believe. And I, I think this is where I differ from a lot of other um religious leaders, I guess. It's weird to call myself a religious leader. I don't know if I really fit that category, but I am a gothi. And as the gothi of a kindred, I think my job is to encourage people to work with the gods, not to give them answers. I'm not supposed to tell you what is right and wrong. I'm supposed to tell you how to work with the gods to figure it out on your own. So, um, we are nearly at time. I am going to go around and have the final thoughts uh, about anything, but especially what is the nature of a god. Again, I I personally think we live in a world of ideas where ideas are the most real things. The gods are self-aware ideas. So they are ideas, but they are rational, capable of making their own decisions, will-driven ideas that we can and should interact with. Um Lord?
0: Uh Again, everything I say... About what they are is my opinion. You can have your own, but uh, I just see them as uh, a part of me. And whether or not we're actually existing in a physical world or whether or not we're in a just mental world and we're we're projecting uh, perception of physical, it doesn't matter. It, all that matters is what resides in our thought process. And if that happens to include the gods, that's what it is.
1: And Lauren?
2: Um. Yeah, I like what both of you had to say, and it's funny that you consider yourselves so um different, but I think it's funny how uh, close they are and how similar they are. But yeah, I I believe that the gods are beings on a different, perhaps a different realm than we are, but they're still um self-aware um beings that interact with us but, um, on personal levels. So yeah.
1: Okay. Well, I want to thank Lore and Lauren again for being on the show. I mentioned it last show. This isn't a exact schedule, but I'm kinda gonna basically do a very a more factual um podcast followed by a more discussion based one. So of course this was the discussion based one. Next month we will be back to the have emaul. Laura and I will continue to go over (laughs) the Habamaw. There's a lot of interesting things in there, but again, I know it can get um, dry because it's very, I guess, information-based. You know, really based on this one piece of lore that we're reading. But next month we'll be back to the Habamaw, and then the month after that will probably be more of a discussion thing again. So, if anybody had any questions, comments, concerns, anything you wanted to say, I will read them on the air if you like. The quote unquote air. Um, just give me an email at hugenhoffpodcast at gmail dot com or podcast at hugenhoff dot org. If you wanted to check out the website, please go to ww dot That's H U G I N H O F dot org and subscribe to the RSS while you're there. All right. Thanks again everybody for listening. Fra Hale
0: Fra
2: Fra Hale.